And it's time for the press review, and Solange Mougin is here with us. Solange, uh, you're starting by taking a look at how the papers reacted a year ago to the invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, I thought I would take you on a sort of time capsule of sorts to take a look back at a few of the front pages um, and compare them with those of today. Let's start with Libération. There we go. This is their cover of the 25th of February, their reaction to the invasion. It was pure shock, uh, l'impensable, or the unthinkable. It wrote with the world community, it said, being impuissant or powerless. Now, fast forward to today's cover of Libération. It has... It says one year, it's quite different, it has one year, one year after uh, Ukraine is standing using the stunning image of a bombed out uh, Ukrainian building. Now, those are the differences. There are also similarities. If we take, for example, the editorial of last year, it's entitled Courage, and then we take the editorial of this year, it is also entitled Courage, um, uh, hoping last year that the world would jump into action for the courageous Ukrainian people. In today's editorial, Libé says that it is time to take a moment to remember the courage and the steadfastness of the Ukrainians. Now, another comparison comes from Le Parisien Aujourd'hui en France. Uh, last year, uh, the paper, uh, it, it's important to note, Aujourd'hui en France, Le Parisien, changes its name depending upon where it's published in France. Last year, it wrote that, that Putin's attack was a turning point in, Ukrainian, in Ukraine's history. Meanwhile, one year later, the same paper, albeit under a different title, uh, says, with an image of Biden and Zelensky, the paper writes, quote, it has, a, it has been a year that has changed the world. Another comparison, let's take Metro, for example. Last year, it, it's actually taking, it's doing the comparison for us. It has its headline today and a, a reminder of the other one, which we see here from last year, it says that Ukrainians stand defiant. Heroes will never give in, even though there are now fields and fields of bodies. Meanwhile, last year, uh, uh, it said war in Europe, comparing Putin to a 21st century uh, Hitler. Now, a final comparison. Uh, this comes from the Washington Post. It has a then and now cartoon, and it says it's entitled "Shell Shock." Michael Adder has uh, Putin slowly rolling into an upside-down plan into Ukraine, uh, and now a year later, it is not going as planned. He is upside down, or at least his army may be buried in the snow. Well, in addition to to comparisons of the past and and present, the papers are, are also discussing what the future uh, could hold in this war. Yeah, staying with the Washington Post, uh, they have an opinion piece today uh, that walks us through uh, how this could end. By using a number of charts, uh, they have researchers who explain that the initial surge of Russian forces and then the Ukrainian pushback uh, has now resulted in what is mostly a stalemate. Meanwhile, The Atlantic, it argues, it polled researchers, and it argues uh, that uh, these researchers and analysts said that while the war, war in general is unpredictable, this easily could become a shape-shifting, decades-long conflict. Now, another take on the future. Um, the Guardian says that already this war has reshaped the world order in a way, but not, it argues, in the China-Russia alliance versus the West. Rather, it argues that 
many leaders in the global south, even in democracies, are cynical about, quote, the grand declarations of Western leaders backing Ukraine to defend democracy, end quote. The Guardian says the future will be less about those that support and those that do not uh, support the Ukrainians in this war and more about distinct interests of each regional power. Now, in this line of thought, line of thought the, the New York Times has a really interesting article that draws degrees, uh, it draws out the degrees to which nations have supported or not Ukraine and uh, shunned Russia. There are those that support uh, uh, the, the 141 that support at the UN an unconditional withdrawal of Russian troops. But then if you look at other parameters, like this graph here from the same article. If you look at other parameters, exports, uh, vocal support, uh, arms, uh, sending of arms, the global unification, it, it writes, against Russia is a lot more nuanced and a lot more splintered than it seems. And finally, Solange, you've, uh, you found a few little beacons of hope in this one year, uh, on this one year mark of the war in Ukraine. Yeah, and they come namely in the form of the arts. If we take The New Yorker, for example, it uh, describes how most theaters and performances were uh, immediately ceased at the start of the war. But there is now a drama troupe in Kharkiv that's kept on playing for spectators, except they now do it in a private home, a way to continue to share and express the arts uh, with each other without the dangers of being in a targetable, packed theater. Now, another artwork that's also inspired us over this past year are those of uh, Banksy's uh, uh, street arts in Ukraine. Forbes tells us it is now, one of the drawings is now protected behind uh, impact-resistant glass and actually has a security system um, so that it can stick around as, quote, a reminder that light must overcome darkness. Now, one of the Banksy images is actually uh, becoming a... Uh, a Ukrainian stamp for this one year uh, mark. It's of a little boy karate chopping a man, a much bigger man, and it's entitled Putin Go F Yourself. The commemorative stamp is actually one of 30 uh, that uh, the post office released this year with the post office CEO saying, quote, Ukrainians collect the stamps as history and it has now become a symbol of our fight for freedom. It is in essence, a time capsule of sorts for Ukrainians and for the world to remember this very difficult year. Solange Mujan, thank you very much for that press review.